Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We have recorded a an earlier interview for this week, and of course, with everything that happened Sunday morning in Calabasas, California. We preempted it and decided to talk about the death of one of the greatest players of all time, person I peripherally knew through my job and having covered Kobe Bryant for many years. Uh, Bruce, I don't know what to say. Um, Bruce Bernstein's our producer at Pure Hoops Media. Um, I'm, I'm speechless when I heard about this. I, um, I got a text from a coworker. I didn't believe it. Part of me still doesn't believe it. Uh, 41 years old, and 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 what I think what eats me up more than anything, Bruce, right now, is the idea that uh, I'll be transparent today. You know, tomorrow is my two-year-old's, uh, my two-year-old daughter's birthday, and um, and and we celebrated it today. And we were literally getting the the, the Baskin Robbins cake when I got a text from a coworker, and the idea that his daughter, Chiana, Gigi. 13 years old, died with him in the helicopter crash along with seven others. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. I don't even know where to start. I don't know where you are with it. Well, you know, the first thing that you think of is about his wife, Vanessa, and their other children. I mean, they have a baby that was just born over the summer. So that yeah. you know, that little girl's never going to know her daddy. And uh, that, in, you know, that just kind of compounds the tragedy. But we think of our athletic heroes as being indestructible and you know it, as it turns out i mean they're they're just flesh and blood like the rest of us well and i also say i mean it's pure hoops media is a is a company that that produces really good storytelling around basketball and perhaps if kobe bryant weren't a basketball player uh, we wouldn't be talking about him in this way tonight and and I say like <laughs> I used to make jokes about like if I ever went out with Madonna, um, uh, you know, shoot, I, I you know, if if she dies in a car accident, it'd be Madonna and her male companion careened over an embankment. It's it, the the thought is that if you if if someone else is famous and you die on a plane or a helicopter crash, you never hear about those. There are seven other people that passed away, and their families are hurting just as much and. And, and their family members don't happen to be as famous as Kobe Bryant. Nonetheless, Kobe Bryant is the person I knew and I never met his daughter. And, um, and I don't think I knew him better than any player or teammate. I don't think I'm, I probably didn't know him as good as some of media members, but I had some interaction with him in life at different moments uh, that I could talk about him today and talk about his legacy and talk about covering Everything that happened in Eagle, Colorado, I, I could talk about seeing him at the end of his career. I can even, sadly enough, Bruce, talk about him shaking me in a soccer um, uh, game. I don't know if you saw the uh, video, 
But uh, he literally, he broke my ankles in a charity soccer match in 2011 that Mia Hamm and Nomar Garcia Parra, her husband, put on for their foundation in D.C. and local media members. And, and, and oh, it's, it's embarrassing, but, you know, and he, and he ran down the, the, the little pitch afterward and went, the, mom, the mama got you. And, you know, it was, I, look, I look back on it now and um, it's kind of a badge of courage. The Mamba got a lot of people along the way, yeah. not just a not just a middle aged uh, <laughs> old white you know, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guy huffing and puffing his way down the soccer yeah. pitch. But you know, he was sort of the guy who came after Michael Jordan. He was a little bit before LeBron. He was a few years before LeBron. He came after MJ. Their careers overlapped a little bit. But I one of the things I remember about uh Kobe is that he seemed to share many of the same characteristics as MJ. And at times it almost looked like MJ was his role model and the way he spoke and the way he carried himself and certainly the yeah. way he competed. And um, even, you know, MJ was notorious for being, you know, tough on his teammates. And Kobe certainly had some moments with Shaq where he was very tough on him because yeah. he felt maybe Shaq wasn't working as hard as, as he should. I think the, Kobe Bryant to me is the guy who took the torch or baton from Michael um, and and then eventually handed it off to LeBron. He was that guy in between. Um, and I think that the NBA's survival or at least its existence post-Michael, he was vital to it. Shaquille O'Neal was too, and the Lakers kind of becoming that 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 glory team again and, uh, and the villain to other teams, you know, that, that was all important, but Kobe Bryant was, he was the killer, man. He was the guy who did that little fade away on the baseline, a la Michael. Sometimes he'd have his tongue out, but he always, you know, he, he was so confident and he was always winning the game at the end. And he was that guy that, you know, you feared the most in the league with the ball at the end of the game, just like he used to with Michael Jordan. Uh, for a time, I'll be honest. I, I thought if he ever got to six titles, I um, I would have to put him in the pantheon of Michael, only because if you look at who he won with in two thousand, I mean, yeah, Shaquille O'Neal, sure, he was the best player on no, he was the best player on the first three teams, and he was the three-time MVP of the finals. Kobe Bryant in the in in the two finals that he won without Shaquille O'Neal. You look at those teams. I mean, outside of Pau Gasol, they were real special. <laughs> and he, and he no. just gotten and he just gotten rid of Smush Parker the year before they won. So I think that you know, and uh, to me, it's it, to me. I mean, he uh, he personified a winner. Uh, he came into his own. And he put behind all the ill will between he and Shaquille O'Neal, and you know, to see them talk about each other now and I'm still close with Shaquille because I you know not only did I write his autobiography 20 years ago but I you know I, I still keep in touch with him he's just a good person he's he talks to Co he used to talk to Kobe like once every two weeks at least and and to hear them talk about each other now Bruce it was like a it was like a married couple that got married too young and then 10 years after their divorce they go guy if we only knew what we knew now we would have stayed together. We would have had kids. We would have, and, 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 uh, you know, just one of those things where you learn from experience, but nonetheless, they, they real there was a real fondness, love and affection that you could see every time they were together. 
and all the ugliness had gone. And I don't know, it just, uh, it, it's still surreal to me that, that he's not here. When you when you did that final interview with David Stern that that were that turned into those podcasts in November, during the interview you were kind of talking a little bit about how there were some adversarial moments over the years between the two of you. But then at, at a certain point, you were you said something to him, and David said to you, you know, Mike, old friends are the best friends, and you both just kind of like you know chuckled like knowingly, yeah. and it sounds like that's kind of where Kobe and Shaq landed after a period of time it's like you know what we went through the wars together we had our moments where we didn't love each other so much but you know what we we got stories you know we could tell yeah. people stories about those days and 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 old friends really are the best friends yeah that's so true the only difference being david and i never threw alley oops to each other and won championships but other than that i think it was very good analogy bruce very <laughs> uh, uh i know you're right though i Look, I'm, I'm floored. I'm, I'm floored. I, I, you know, I look at, I look at the moments of his career. I first got to know him, really know him in 1998. And as much as you can know a 19 year old on his way to his first all-star game in New York. And think about this, Bruce, this is a guy 19 years old to this day. There's never been a starter that young in the all-star game. Kobe Bryant still holds the record. I uh, ended up at the Forum in Inglewood, the old Lakers home, and uh, went to a practice the day after, I think, a Knicks-Lakers game and went up to Kobe's locker after everybody had left and said, hey, can I, can I go around with you? And you could take me around L.A. and we could do a story together. Like, just you know, I hadn't even talked to the PR person, and I think it was – oh, John shoot. Black. John Black, yeah, at the time. Because John Black was – God bless him. He was, he was a tremendous, um, uh, he was not a facilitator. He was an obfuscator. And if he could find a way for you not to interview the guy you wanted to, he would. God bless you, John Black. I had to go around you and I did. So Kobe gives me a ride in his little, whatever BMW he had at the time, but he only, he's going to Arn Tellum, his agent's office in Santa Monica. But he, uh, he says, I'll drop you off at your hotel which was in Marina del Rey. It was the Marriott and it was close by. And I said, that's cool. And it took us about 25, 30 minutes in traffic. And of course I tried to ask as much as I could then. And uh, I still remember Jay-Z is playing in the CD compartment and it's blasting. And he realizes there's about eight, eight end bombs. And all of a sudden he pops it out and he, and he goes, ah, that's a little harsh, isn't it? And I go, ah, I don't care. And he, this is, of course, 1998 Jay-Z, which was, he was gangster. You know, you, if, if your kids were listening to Jay-Z, they were probably going to be shooting up somebody soon. You know, <laughs> nowadays the guy's mainstream. He's like, he and Beyonce are pretty much the first couple. No disrespect to Donald and Melania. They're probably the first couple now. But anyway, at the time, that was gangster. He takes the freaking CD out. He puts in the Spice Girls. He's pretty... But doesn't but doesn't yeah, but does, tell me but doesn't well, but really really well. What I really well. I'm like, well, what, dude? But see, but 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 that's such a Kobe thing to. That's such a Kobe thing to do because yeah. you know he it, it just kind of showed that he was not easily sort of like you know um, I'm trying to find the right word here. You couldn't you couldn't characterize him in the typical way. He was atypical in so many ways. 
Well, it always it, it always kind of like left a taste, like a weird taste. Like I always thought, well, what what was he really come? What was he really coming across then? You know, what was going on? You know. Well, maybe and, he figured that you liked Mel B. I don't know. I <laughs> could be, uh, but but at any rate, I asked him years later, and he said, "I don't know if I was just trying to be respectful or calculating, like trying to, you know, maintain a pristine image." But he, you know, anyway, we laughed about it. This was I interviewed him in 2016 when his uh, before one of his last games, and. We had a long talk, and I tried to figure him out. I don't think I did. I don't think anybody really did. Kobe was a weird cat. When you say Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, as much of a jerk as he could be to his teammates at times, the method to the madness always looked great if it was winning a championship. When he was with the Wizards, he was just a jerk. (laughs) But Kobe, Michael went out with the guys. Michael was sort of a guy's guy, whether he was gambling or having drinks or cigars with Charles. Kobe was a loner. He he pretty much kept to himself, and and he, you know I asked him about that at the end, and he said it, it wasn't that I don't take it personal. I, I was just perfecting my craft. He was de- sincerely devoted to making himself the best basketball player in the world, and and if anybody got in his way, they were da- they were doomed. And so I think that um, while his play, while some of his teammates wished that he had a life. Um, Kobe Bryant, this was life to him. You know, spending time in the gym afterward was was life. Working out harder than everybody else and longer than everybody else, that was life. And sure enough, um, it paid off <laughs> in whatever. Well, you way know, after af- af- after he retired, um, of course, you know, it's been well described how he, you know, tried to coach his daughter and help her learn the game and. And he was a very, very big proponent of women's basketball. The WNBA players are distraught over this news today because he was really a big supporter oh. of women's basketball. But also, backing up a little bit from there, he once he retired and he wasn't competing with guys anymore, he really was uh, uh, became like a, a, a specialty coach for a lot of them. I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo worked out with him on footwork over the summer. So he, you know, and Akeem Olajuwon was, yeah, Akeem Olajuwon became one of those guys too, where guys would come to learn some of his low post moves, his footwork, whatever. But Kobe also coached some guys. And, And how about the warmth and the relationship between him and LeBron James? I mean, LeBron wow. James passed him on Saturday night for third, I guess, on the all-time scoring list. Which, and- which you talk about, like, one of the incredible coincidences. I mean, just crazy. LeBron James passes you one night. You, you're in the news already, and you're incredibly gracious. Tell, tell people what, I mean, if they don't know, what, what Kobe Bryant said when LeBron James passed him. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't, I can't quote it exactly, but it was basically like, Congratulations. You know, in other words, he was he was could not have been more complimentary. And LeBron James, you know, by many accounts is considered maybe the first or second best player of all time. I think you and I both feel when his career is finally said and done, he'll go down as the greatest of all time. I've been saying that for a while, and I know I've heard you say that as well. So for Kobe to basically give him his props and 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 basically salute him. Um, was just so gracious and just so it had yeah. to, and LeBron, I heard LeBron talking about it and he could not have been more proud that Kobe, you know, gave him that love. 
Yeah, I, uh, you know, we'll go to real basketball quick because I don't, I don't think this has a lot to do with basketball. I think it has to do with a human being and his daughter dying in a helicopter crash who happened to be Kobe Bryant. It's just, it's so sad. Um, but I would have put him, Bruce, I'd put him in the pantheon of maybe somewhere in between five and 10 of the greatest players of all time. Some people would put him in the top five. I would probably put him in the top five wing non-centers of all time. Um, but I would, I'd probably put him somewhere between five and 10 of one of the greatest players of all time. And, um, and I only do that because I have a, I, I have a sentimental streak for bird and magic. I will always have, uh, I can't, I can't disrespect LeBron James or Michael and then shoot Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hakeem, Bill maybe, Russell, Bill Russell, um, you know, Wilt because of his numbers, but probably somewhere in there. And, you know, and so that, that, but even that, I mean, who cares? 18 all-star appearances, uh, five world championships and, um, and, you know, being one of the, you know, all these, all these what are preps to pros cautionary tales that came out and basically changed the NBA's rule for one and done. Kobe Bryant was, was, you know, he was the rare one. He was Kevin Garnett. He, there, were, there, there were a few that really shined and made it. And sure enough, Kobe Bryant was probably the, the greatest embodiment, you know, draft 17-year-old prodigy of all. I mean, he was a two-way player. Yeah. He was a clutch player. He was all about winning. He didn't take plays off. Um and I'm a Celtic fan, and there were many nights where I was rooting against Kobe because they played each other in the finals a couple times. But in no way did I ever feel anything other than respect for what this guy was all about as a player. He was the kind of guy that you just like wished he had been on your team, that you could have been rooting for him as opposed to respecting him from a distance but wanting his team to maybe finish second instead of first. Yeah, Um yeah, I, I still look at, and you might, that must have killed you that night uh, in 2010 when uh, Game Seven at uh, the Staples Center. Uh, he had an awful shooting game. I, he was god awful. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. He chipped paint off the rim, and yet he found a way to win that game. I mean, LeBron, you know, Met World, Met, Meta World Peace had a, that long bomb mm -hmm. at the end. But but if you remember, Kobe Bryant finished with like 18 or 19 rebounds. Like he would, he was off. He, he, you know, he, but he he refused to get beat that night. I mean, his he willed that team to win just going to the board so much. No, no doubt about it. I mean, look, yeah. he was a complete player. Whatever was required to do, um, he would do. And you know, it's funny. You were talking a little bit earlier about his his first All Star appearance at a very young age. And it, and it kind of shows the kind of two sides of Kobe in that he was a guy who was very, very reverential about the great players who came before him. But at the same time, in that first All-Star game, Carl Malone set in a screen for him and he waved right. him off. And it was like, nobody waves right. Carl Malone off. Right. 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 No, I remember Jordan sort of being like, come on, who is this kid? Um I, I remember that. I remember that. Like, yeah, I'm going to take it on my own. It was the, he was the quintessential counterculture uh, kid that, uh, uh, you know, he's going to take over the game by himself. I, you know, I, I, I'm trying to sort of play amateur psychologist about his career and everything. 
Um, I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to figure him out, know him. I do know this though. I, uh, you know, when I, at the end of his career, I asked him, um, I, I asked him, you know, uh, you know, if you were, if you were, you know, you're 37 now, what would you tell a kid at 17 who was just coming into the league? And I kind of used the Shawshank redemption, you know, the Morgan Freeman character, Mm-hmm. who wishes he could impart his old head wisdom to the angry youngster who made the mistake of a lifetime and killed someone. And, and Kobe just snickered. And he was said, I don't think it would matter because the young version of myself wouldn't listen anyway. <laughs> and I, I thought that's Kobe, man. He's so headstrong and stubborn. It didn't matter how, um, you know, you could tell him, you could tell him what you wanted him to do. Kobe had two ways to do things, his way and the wrong way. I vividly remember the 2002 All-Star game that was in Philadelphia, okay? Oh, he yeah, was, he was booed mercilessly. He was relentlessly booed in that game. But guess yeah. who was the MVP of that All-Star game? Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Bryant. Yeah, Kobe Bryant. So that just shows you to- Kobe well, he always liked, he had liked, that focus. He liked being the villain. He liked being the villain at times. He, um, he you know, I, I think the, the uh, being charged with rape in Colorado – having to submit his uh, his body parts and his, and his fibers to an actual police station, uh, going uh, almost going to trial until the woman um, the woman refused to testify two days before it was about to start and settling a civil suit with her later and and writing a very lengthy apology about how he could understand how she saw that it might not have been consensual. I mean, that was going to be his legacy if he didn't uh, not only become the player he did, but become the person he did. He worked like hell. They put his marriage back together. Um, I'm I'm never going to say he was innocent and this woman set him up, and I'm never going to say he did it because out of respect for both, I wasn't there, and – I know the reporting of sexual assault and rape, the, the incidences of false reporting are so low. I would never disrespect any alleged victim. What I do know is something bad happened in that room. And either way, Kobe Bryant was determined not to let it be his legacy and how people saw him. And some people would never, were never going to change. I'm getting emails and comments tonight on my Facebook page. Um, you know, you know, don't fawn over a rapist. And I'm like, come on, you know, the the guy, his daughter died, his his wife has lost her husband and her daughter and her family. Um, but I also understand that there are people in this world that they're going to believe what they want to believe. All I'm going to say is, I saw from from that moment, him work. He was so determined and 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 even more headstrong than he was about being a basketball player about being a person that never got into trouble after that again in any shape or form and wanted people to see him for more than uh, what at least, you know, he said was adultery and may have been more as a young, as a mistake that a kid made, Um, uh, you know, when he was shoot, I don't know what he would have been about 22 at that age. One of the things that I absolutely despise about social media is Mm. that people can hide by their anonymous screen names or whatever. The people that were firing comments like that to you, 
would never yeah. have the courage to say that to you to your face. No, and the things right. that they say about about celebrities, they would never have the courage to say it to their face. It's one of the reasons that social media, which can be very good on you know lots of different times, yeah, at at times like this, people just you know I don't know why people feel the need to do that. To me, they must just be miserable human beings on their own, uh, and miserably uh, unhappy in their own lives to to take shots yeah. like that when a man yeah. dies with his daughter. I saw a great, uh, well, my wife and I watched a Netflix, uh, or maybe it was Hulu, it was called Shrill. And it was one of the one of the, um, the heavier women on Saturday Night Live. I can't remember her name, the actress. Aidy Bryant? Yes, Aidy Bryant. And okay. she was so good in this Shrill because she confronts a troll at one point who calls her fat and and says all these awful things, wish she dies. And she goes to his house and confronts him. And, and then at some point wants to write about it for her blog and says to the guy, look, what is, what is it? And he just sort of admits, you know, I, I had this woman who crapped on me and broke up with me. I didn't know why. What did I do? And, and, he, and then he said, like, I don't know what the, the whole Internet thing, maybe, you know, like people don't know who I am. Maybe it was like me of maintaining the only power I had. And I think there's something to that. People have some weird power. I mean, I I typed things, had more keyboard courage than I probably should have responding to people that I don't need to, but it gives me some sick power that I, you know, and it's anyway, we can all learn from these moments that um, I'm not saying don't have conversations about who Kobe Bryant was and what his legacy was. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's a bad time to, to say guilty and not guilty to something that we have no idea what happened. Well, I will say is this. I can tell you with definitive um, conviction, certainty. <laughs> certainty, conviction, whatever, I can tell you that Kobe Bryant, I believe, wanted to become a player that never left anything on the floor, never could be told that he was lazy, because he heard those stories about his father, Joe Jellybean Bryant, that he never amounted to what people thought he could have because he wasn't as committed to the game. And I don't know if that was true or not, but Kirk, Kobe heard those things. And, and he never wanted to be the son of Joe Jellybean Bryant that didn't, you know, and Jellybean, you know, Jellybean Bryant, Joe, Joe Bryant got his name because he ate jelly beans all the time. <laughs> he, was so anyway. some, he was also on some terrible Philadelphia teams back before Julius Irving came to true. town, although he was teammates with, with Dr. J. But the, one of the worst teams in NBA history was the 1972-73 Sixers. They went 9-73. and 73. And uh, one of my former colleagues, Fred Mad Dog Carter, was on that team. And Joe Jellybean Bryant was on that team, too. Harvey Catchings was on that team. Oh, my God. They had some good players that were Fred, just a terrible team. Fred Carter, Isaac from the Love Boat, who was always pointing at the camera at the end. What the f – oh, my God. Fred Carter, stop. Fred was a great guy. Well, Fred no, is a great know, guy. He's I'm still kidding. around. He's still know. around. He's a good, he's, no, I, I'm, I'm good. But at any rate, yeah, no, I, look, who, I don't know. All. I, I, I don't know. I know this. And also, Kobe was a complicated guy, too. Very complicated. Like, you, you couldn't, even though he had some very choice things to say to our current president uh, recently, and, and he's been quoted as really taking him on, he also got into it with Jim Brown, one of the heroes of the 60s. And that was a shocker in many ways. Um, 
I, I you know, I, I kind of got into it in my Facebook post a little bit, but it was, you know, it, it was one of those things where, you know, so I'm, I'm going to give you this right here. So he, um, you know, he, you know, Kobe, because he was fluent in Italian and he came from the Philadelphia suburbs. And, you know, this was a time when, except for Grant Hill, there weren't guys that there weren't a lot of guys in the league with dads in the NBA. There, there were there were more. Now it's more accepted. And there's a lot of guys coming out of AAU programs that happen to, you know, have their parents had a lot more money. But Kobe, a, a lot of African-American players and fans were a little reluctant to issue him his cred card uh, right off the box, right out of the box. And, you know, the more Kobe heard that he wasn't black enough, the more he, he began to hate the compartmentalization of Af of the African-American athlete, you know. And, you know, he was um, – he, he had a quote once to the New Yorker in 2014, if we progress as a society, then you don't jump to somebody's defense just because they're African-American. Um, and that didn't go over well with Jim Brown, who said he is somewhat confused about culture because he was brought up in another country. And um, and he even said that if he reconvened the historic Cleveland summit um, to support Muhammad Ali over his refusal to enter the draft, Bryant wouldn't get an invite. And Kobe's response to Brown via Twitter was, a global African-American is an inferior shade to American African-Americans question mark hmm that doesn't sound very mandela or dr king sir i mean he was tweaking jim brown on twitter about this but it was you know it, it was to, to him kobe it was it was civil real debate and he had no problem having it and he wasn't just going to go out there and uh because you look like me you must be right and whether you think you know that's right right wrong whatever i i kind of respected it Listen, you know, it's not easy to go against, you know, quote unquote, your people, right? Whatever right. your people means. It's it's not easy to do it. And tell, uh, tell me about it. I get white guilt all over the Twitter all the time. <laughs> right. Well, and it, and it's not easy. And, it, and you know, you're going to take some incoming fire when you do something like that. But you know what? If you have the conviction of your beliefs and you have a, a, a legitimate reason for feeling the way you do, uh, and you're able to articulate it the way he did. I mean, I think that was a terrific response Yeah, yeah on, his, on his part. I mean, I what did Dr. King too. say? What was his core message? It's not about the color of your skin. It's about the content of your character. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, we could talk about him all night. I, I'm just still, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're taping this at one 20 in the morning. I've, I, I'm out of, you know, I, I didn't really try to get a guest on. I figured people like Shaq and the people that I really would, you know, get huge downloads with were probably in grief or mourning or talking to Kobe's family and trying to console him. And a lot of the writers who covered him and were even closer to him, probably like a Howard Beck or somebody like that. And they're all doing their own thing. I, I just, you know, as a father and the fact that my daughter was, birthday was uh, we celebrated today it's actually tomorrow the birthday's tomorrow it's just a killer man it's just a it just eats me up that this guy had so much of his life to live for this was going to be his second act he'd already won an academy award for a little short film about his love for basketball that he produced his, or his company produced and all i kept thinking was kobe Bryant is 
is is got so much more to give and and good for him that he got out at a time when gosh i wish we could all say we could retire from our primary um profession at that age and 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 move on into something we wanted to do because we had so much disposable income well you know if anybody knows anything about money it doesn't make you happy but you can throw problems at it and and kobe bryant you know, when you have that kind of money, you can spend all the time you want with your family, all the t- all the holidays you had to spend on the court because David Stern made you play on Christmas, all the holiday, all those things, all the su- all the Sunday nights, all the all the all the road, uh, all the road games, you know, 41 road games a year. I mean, you could stay home with your kids and just be a dad. And it seemed like that's what he was doing. You know, I, I know you you deserve to have the last word in this conversation, but I would like to just add one final thought, at least from my perspective. Sure. He was going to be going into the Hall of Fame probably in the class of 2021, all right, which meant he was going in with probably Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan, and I'm not sure if Paul Pierce retired that same year. I think they should bump it up a year. I think when they announced that the final four, they always announced the Hall of Fame class for 2020 at the final four. I hope they move it up a year and put Kobe Bryant in this year so that he has a little bit more, he's, he can stand out a little bit more because going in with Tim Duncan and, and, and Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, I think they should honor him and give him put bump him up a year he deserves it i i'm pretty sure baseball did that for roberto clemente although i can't swear to that but i hope that you know what i hope they'll give him that honor you know what's crazy about this right now you just said something two words that just shook me roberto clemente people don't know the great pittsburgh pirates player uh you know humanitarian extraordinaire is going to his native i think puerto rico with supplies for people that needed them and his plane goes down and he was, um, he was beloved. And, and last night I'm taking my, uh, or yesterday, last night at six 30, I'm taking my nine-year-old to a game uh, at Roberto Clemente middle school. And my, my son asked me, who was Roberto Clemente dad? And I go, you know, he, he was this great person i think i never met him but and he was even he was a great baseball player and he died in a plane crash and he goes he he died in a play well how did that happen how did it go down and i gotta tell him today about kobe bryant and he just he was just he just stood there shocked i mean he loves basketball he didn't really know kobe is other than what i've told him but he just stood there stunned like how, how could this happen and uh it did and I just I just hope that, that John Deleva, who is the president of the Hall of Fame, and Jerry Colangelo, who is yeah. one of the big heavy hitters there, I hope they're talking on the phone tomorrow and trying to figure out a way to make that happen because it really should. Well, I think it's going to, and you know why, Bruce? Because um, I, because people are people are so taken aback by this, almost like a Princess Diana thing, you know, where mm-hmm. where Princess yeah. Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably more beloved around the world, but, but Kobe Bryant was beloved because basketball became such an international game. And when you went to, when I covered him in the Olympics in 2012 in London, oh my gosh. I mean, nobody was, nobody had more people around them than the Mamba. And at that age, you know, what was he? uh, 37, uh, let's see, 16 minus 12. So he was 33. He was old for that team. 
um, and, and he was getting up there in years. Nonetheless, Kobe Bryant, man, he held court with everybody. He talked Italian to the Italian reporters. You, you couldn't phase him. And uh, I don't know. I asked him some dumb question about, you know, um, Mamba. I called him Mamba about three times. And at some point he goes, can you just call me Kobe? But it was, <laughs> we had, you know, oh, oh, I never told you this one. I, when I was working on Shaq's autobiography, you know, they were feuding. And after that, like, great drive, he gave me around town. We thought we were tight. I'm walking down the hall of the Plaza Hotel in New York about two and a half years later. And I got to give Shaq final draft of his book that I go through it for him. And of all people, I don't see any Laker in the hallways, in the lobby. Kobe Bryant is walking down the hall as right before I'm about to go into Shaquille O'Neal's room. And I, and I got this big stack of papers and he knows I got this business arrangement with him. And I go, I go, Hey, Hey. And he goes, he goes, and he just looks at me and he goes, you're a Shaq guy now. <laughs> and I go, it's not like that, but I swear he, you know, he was, he was not saying it as a joke. He was like, Oh, you're on his side now. And um, I never brought that one up to him later, but it, it was funny because he divided everybody into camps. And you know what? I probably was a Shaq guy at that point. <laughs> But I came around to Kobe again, and um, like everybody did, and uh, I, I just. But anyway, I, I lost my train of thought. So, so. But you settled. But you settled things later on, and right. and 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 in later years, you were boys again. We were boys again, but yeah. But I was going to tell you that Mark Cuban said that he's not going to ever let another Maverick wear number twenty four again. Think about that. Um, all these tributes tonight. I, oh, what do you think about the uh, the NBA's decision, Adam Silver's decision to play games tonight? Um, I guess I didn't really have a problem with it. Yeah, everybody it seemed it had some way of honoring him at the game, which is really kind of a beautiful thing. I watched a number of teams, you know, open the game by each having twenty four second violations, you know, yeah. and. Uh, just think about it. The 2024, which Kobe changed his number to, you know, about halfway through his career, it was is such a basketball number. I mean, the 24 right. second clock. Well, and how about the Wizards and the Hawks? The um, the the Wizards uh, get the eight second violation as they're crossing half court, and the and the Hawks do the 24 second. You couldn't, you know, it's like square number. You know, the square of eight. You know, the square of 24 is eight, and it's just. But at any rate. Uh, so I think people are making, I mean, shoot, Michael Jordan's number was retired in Miami by Pat Riley, mm-hmm. yeah. one of his greatest nemesis out of respect. I, I could see 24 being retired many other places. I, you know, I, and I agree. It, it'd be one thing if there it was a national tragedy of some sort where, I don't know, God forbid a, a terrorist attack or a natural disaster or something that impacted so many people in this country that people were just in, Kobe Bryant, as much as people are floored today, almost more than they were when Prince or Michael Jackson died, something, but he, people felt like they knew him. And, and NBA arenas tonight were probably as good a place to mourn as anywhere because those were the people were that were closest to him. And you could really, you know, you could deal with your sadness in that time. And so I, I don't know. I just, I, uh, I think I, I agree. I mean, look, we've, I'm all over the map right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked last week, you know, we were both at the David Stern Memorial Service in New York. We sat together. And one of the things that came out of that was just that NBA basketball is a family. 
the players, the executives, people like us who cover the game, certainly you who are in locker rooms for 20 plus years. So really, I think it was probably a good thing that that fans could get together. I don't think there was a whole lot of heckling going on in any arenas tonight. I think everybody was very sort of respectful of the opponents. And I watched a little bit of, you know, the Celtics Pelicans game and they started out that way as well. So listen, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it because I feel like everybody sort of paid tribute to Kobe in their own way, in a very public way. And there'll be more of that, of course, in the coming days. So yeah. Mike, I think, uh, I think the, the last word should be yours uh, in this week's show. Well, I, you know, I don't want to be cliche, but I, I really do think that when we think about all the all all the people in our lives that um, we sometimes take for granted and don't tell them we love them or don't spend, you know, we, we think we're going to spend time with them next week. And um, <laughs> this is, I mean, when a guy of this magnitude dies at 41 years old in a horrible accident and seven other people with, with families um, just like Kobe and Gianna's die, that it's it's just a reminder that you know i mean that nothing is given um you can't take anything for granted and that um you know whatever higher power you believe into uh, you believe in um so it doesn't matter when 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 he makes plans your plans don't matter and it's just uh it's just and tell the people thing. that you care about you know don't wait until somebody's dead to say something nice about them. Yeah. If there's somebody that you really respect, let them know. Yeah. Let them know. Tell them, you know what? I respect you. I love you. I I admire you. I'm glad you're in my life. And and I think if there's one lesson we can all take away, it's how important that is to just be that person. Yeah. That's 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 a nice way to put a bow on it. Thanks for listening this week. Um as I said, we had an interview with Om Young Misuk of ESPN.com, an old friend of mine. I don't know how we're going to work that in, Bruce. Maybe we, maybe we get him and talk uh, talk about Kobe for a few minutes to open it, and then we go from there and put it up at the end of the week. But either way, um, we, we thought this was more important. It's on everybody's mind, and it's going to be on everybody's mind for a few more days. Um, thank you for listening to us. Thanks to Ben Wolfen for putting it together all the Pure Hoops media crowd. Um, shoot, I'm sure Monica McNutt will have a take on buckets, boards, and blocks this Wednesday. Um, or is that Thursday, Bruce? It's, it's Thursday. We're working Thursday. on a guest for that show. We're working on a guest for Catch and Shoot 2.0, which will drop on Wednesday. And I'm sure BJ Armstrong, who who knows Kobe's uh, story better than any of us, and Eric Newman when they do the pure hoops podcast later in the week, they'll, they'll be sharing their thoughts on Kobe as well. So uh, um, thanks to everybody for listening to us. And Mike, thanks to you for, if anyone wants, wants to look at your Facebook story about uh, Kobe uh, it's five minutes of time well spent. If anyone wants to check that out. So thanks. And we'll put that on the website as well. Purehoopsmedia.com. Thank you everybody. And I'll see you next week and God bless you. And God bless the Bryant family and everybody coping, all the friends and family close to Kobe and Gianna and their families for coping with this tragedy is, is uh, hope they, hopefully they can find comfort with each uh, in each other as all of this sinks in. Um, we'll see you next week. <laughs>